You're listening to The Lightwalker's Path with Serena Myers, the podcast that sparks real, raw, honest conversations about what it actually means to live a spiritual life. Serena is a sacred soul mentor who guides people to tap into their heart's truth so they can live their lives with purpose on purpose. Welcome, welcome to episode 12 of The Lightwalker's Path. I'm your host, Serena Myers, and today we're going to talk about not specifically spiritual parenting, but parenting while on a spiritual path, because it's not always the easy thing. Um, In fact, I have often said, if you ever want to see how far you've come or what work you have left to do, either become a parent or start a business, and while... I will probably get into the entrepreneurship side of that in another episode. Today, we're going to dig into the parenting one. And full disclosure, that's actually not what I intended to record for today's episode. However, about an hour before I sat down to record, I had a pretty big fight with my teenage son. And that was enough to kind of shake things up and say, you know what, actually, maybe this is a conversation that does need to be had. Because I know it's not only going to help me to integrate and process the events that transpired, but I know that I'm also not the only one who gets into this place. And it was definitely worth exploring fully with you today. So here we go. Conscious parenting is a very, very tricky line because we're not Zen masters, right? We haven't ascended to some higher realm of consciousness. We're just doing a little bit better than what we came into the world with. That's really what we're doing, right? And so when you are still nurturing and healing and working on your own wounds, and at the same time, you have the awareness of the impact of your words and of wanting to equip your children with the tools to be able to honor their feelings and recognize their needs and to reflect and do their own inner work. Sometimes those things end up kind of coming head to head. And one of the things that's really hard is that um, even if we're in situations where we've mastered this at work and we've mastered this in our social circles, uh, family, whether it's our children or our parents or our partners, Uh, Family sometimes has a way of being able to just trigger us that extra little bit. It just kind of stings a little bit more. And that momentary bit where we're able to reflect before we react that we can do in our other social circles, sometimes in the family dynamic, it becomes a bit more knee-jerk. We fall back into our old patterns a lot more quickly. I think it's because our guard is a little bit down. So we're not always operating from that higher state. We can aspire to that. And we will definitely have days that we are better or worse. But, you know, if we're completely honest about what the journey looks like, it is harder at home than it is out in the world. I know that we have some conversations, my son and I, where um, he'll head off to bed and I'll be like, damn, I rocked that, where I just know that I'm in the right flow and the right things were coming out and we were just kind of synergizing. Like it was just working really, really well. We riff really well off each other. Um, He asks really good questions that I feel I actually have an answer to. And that's really awesome. That's where we are in these kind of soul expansive areas. And I feel like when it comes to empowering them to have the tools to be able to live their own spiritual lives, whether they would call it that or not, my son's an atheist, so he certainly wouldn't refer to it that way. But we give them these tools to be able to reflect and honor themselves and their needs in these really, really beautiful ways. And those are our wins. However, what happens when what they feel is honoring their needs is 
contrasting or conflicting with our needs. So I'll give you this scenario. Uh, My husband and I both work from home. So summer vacation is a bit of a pickle because there is a lot of noise that happens. My son is a gamer. He games loudly. And even when he's not shouting into his microphone, just the way he enthusiastically clicks his keyboard and his bedroom is on the other side of my office. So because he's had, um, he had a modified year this year because he was graduating grade 12 and he had some spare blocks, he was home a lot and it was really disruptive and I haven't been working in my office. Now I am a little bit territorial by nature and I'll talk about that in just a second. So feeling pushed out of my office for the better part of a year has been really, really challenging for me. And so when it came to being a full-time daytime thing, I really felt the need to put my foot down and we had to make an agreement that there would be no gaming during work hours. Now he had decided he'd found a workaround for that and he was going to do it anyway, but it wasn't going to directly impact me. So he didn't think it needed to be discussed. So he's finding a way to honor his needs, but he's making huge assumptions and he's not thinking about the consequences it's going to have on other people. And in this case, my husband, because instead of infringing on my office space, he was going to infringe on his. While I really, really admire the dedication to getting what you want and to finding a way to work around uh, what the situation is and what the problems are, I also feel like that communication element really needed to be a big part. And that's kind of where he missed the boat. And that's what caused the conflict today. So why does this matter? Well, everybody's stuff kind of came to the table. All three of us in the house all got triggered at the same time. So for me, I am saying you didn't honor our agreement. You're not honoring our boundaries. Uh, Boundaries are a really big thing for me. That's why I'm territorial. I'll get into that in in a moment. But I'm triggered because I'm feeling like these things haven't been honored and my needs haven't been met. And he is feeling by me countering what he thought was perfectly reasonable, not recognizing that he hasn't taken it full circle, that by not by me not recognizing that he's met his needs, that I'm actually diminishing that his needs. I'm saying his needs don't matter. And my husband's just kind of getting caught in the crossfire and all he knows is that he can't get any work done because now this fight is erupting basically in his office. So we end up in this place where nobody's needs are being met. Everybody feels the other one is diminishing their needs. And all of it, if we hadn't come to the table from this wounded place, We would have been able to recognize this within each other because it's really the same wound that's being triggered across all of us, but we weren't there. And in my social connections, I actually find it a lot easier to be a bit more objective, to be able to step outside, to look at a situation and say, oh, okay, here's where the disconnect is happening. Here's where the miscommunication is happening. And Mercury is still in retrograde. Right now we're at the end of July, even though this is airing in August. And that's, uh, that's all kind of coming to a head. So of course, there's going to be a miscommunication that's going to happen. But it's a lot easier to see when you're not in it and when you're not triggered. And even as I'm talking to you about it now, I'm having these revelations as I'm processing it with you that I certainly didn't have when I was in this frustrated place myself. So why is that? What is it about parenthood that makes it so hard, that makes our triggers that much more sensitive? So two of my biggest triggers in this lifetime, uh, one is boundaries, which I mentioned before. And it's something that I've constantly found in my work and in my space. I'm the oldest kid, so I had to share a lot in my family. And so this feeling of 
um, my needs not being as important as somebody else's and just being constantly infringed upon has been this constant theme for me in this life, particularly in my work, actually. And so I get extra touchy and extra sensitive about this subject. And it doesn't play out a lot at home, um, but when it does, it's usually with my son. And I think it's because kids test boundaries. It's kind of their thing. It's what they're, they're learning where the line is. They're learning what their own boundaries are. And I think there is a natural inclination as teenagers, as they're starting to kind of come into their own and figure out who they are and what space they take up, where they just expand until they find a boundary. And here is where I am completely responsible for that because if I'm in a place where I'm feeling shitty about myself and my boundaries are down and I'm not doing that work, that means he has a lot more space to stretch into, which isn't actually a failing on his part. He doesn't know where the line is. It's my job to uphold the line. But because I'm feeling shitty, I don't. And then we butt heads because he is coming into this thinking that it's the same as always, same goes, right? But I've gone and changed the rules because now I've been doing this work and really working on those boundaries and getting really firm. So for me, the trigger is, hey, I've done this work and now you're not honoring it. And for him, he's like, but I've always done this. Why is it a problem? So we need to be able to find a way where we can have these conversations that aren't so triggering, where we can step out of it, see why the heads are budding and say, okay, great. So this is what you're saying. This is what I'm saying. And the thing that I'm realizing as I'm saying this to you that's so funny is when I was in elementary school, literally in grade six, so at 11 years old, I was trained as a peer mediator on the, on the school grounds. I did it for three years, grade six, seven, and eight. And I facilitated conflict resolution with my peers, with other kids on the playground. So the fact that I'm in this place as an adult, like a million years later, and I'm still running into this is actually kind of funny, but I think it's also indicative of how deep this work around boundaries is for me. And it might not be boundaries for you. Maybe it's something else. But you can see when you start to have these patterns, especially when the reaction is so disproportionate to what is going on, you can say, hey, wait a minute, what is going on here? What's underneath that that needs a little bit more exploration? My second really big one, and this is hard, I think, as a parent anyway, but certainly if you come into the world with this this wound that you're working on, it's more so, it's amplified. And that is the idea of not being good enough. So I have a lot of performance-based and merit-based ways of being able to say, yes, okay, I've done a good job. And it's not the healthiest way of doing things, and I try to catch it whenever I do, but because kids, especially when they're younger and they're finding their way, they want, they ask, there is this constant mentality of more, right? I mean, part of it is just that they don't know what the where the edges are, what the boundaries are, and also they don't have the concept of money and all of that kind of stuff. But then it expands even further where you have all these advertisers that are programming them to believe that this is what they want, need to have, to be able to be happy or to be able to be worthy themselves, that there is this gimme, gimme, gimme kind of energy that happens, particularly in smaller children. And I've witnessed this a lot in my niece and it's particularly triggering when you either cannot or are choosing not to because you don't want to, you know, feed the gimme, gimme monster, uh, indulge in those things. So when you're already having this feeling of not enough, and then that gets reinforced by this childlike desire for more, this hunger for more that they don't even really know why, but they know that they're having it and they're very vocal about it, that can be super triggering as well. So, so much of it, when you find yourself in this position where you're kind of butting heads, where you're going tete-a-tete, then you have to go, okay, 
what's going on behind this? Why am I digging my heels in so much? Why does this hurt so deeply? So it becomes this really beautiful, not in the moment, but afterward, this really beautiful reflective exercise where you're able to take a look at your own stories and your own stuff and and unpack it so you can understand why it affected you the way that it did. I think the worst one for me that I see is when I either hear something that my mother would say, or if I go into the bathroom to calm down and I look in the mirror and I have that little look in my eyes that she would get when she was really angry. And I have this holy shit moment because I do basically everything in my power not to be my mother, which sounds really horrible, but I'm still working a lot on that relationship. We haven't talked for a couple of years now and, um, it's probably been the biggest one that I have worked on in this lifetime. And so when I am having this reflective moment where I'm seeing her and I'm seeing everything that I don't want to be reflected back in me in the mirror or in my ears and I can hear it, it is painful, but it is also a really big shakedown. It is holy shit, Serena. You've got some work to do here because you are becoming what you don't want to be. And that might not be your mother for you. Maybe it was like a school teacher that was really severe, or maybe it was um, a neighbor that nobody liked in the neighborhood or something along those lines, but just somebody who embodies the things that you really don't want to become, who has the traits that you don't want to bring into your parenting for whatever reason that might be, because it's going to be personal for you. When you see that, Yes, you want to stop in your tracks and use that as a reflective tool. But here's the thing about reflection. We often talk about it as something that we need to do when we look at the bad stuff and say, what can I learn from this? What's left to heal? Whatever, whatever. But we also need to take a look at the good stuff. This is the part that actually isn't happening a lot, particularly in the parenting space. Moms are so hard on themselves. And here's why. If the only reflecting that you are doing is about you know, the shitty things that you're hoping to be able to get something good out of. And you're not taking a moment to reflect on how far you've come or how you did it right that time or where you can just celebrate the journey that you have been on, you and your child together. That's when it becomes this, it's almost like this critical tool instead of this really beautiful divine gift. Reflection is beautiful. Mirror work is beautiful, but you can't weaponize it. You really need to use it to also look at all of the good stuff that you have accomplished in this life. Because mama, parenting is hard and you're not going to get it right all the time. So when you do, it's really important to acknowledge it, to celebrate it, to celebrate it in your other parent friends. Because you know that they're having a hard time too. You know that even if they're posting their cute pictures on Instagram and everything is perfect and polished, you know that half an hour before that photo was taken, they were fingerprinting with shit from their diaper. Or the day before that happened, they had a massive meltdown in the grocery store and like 30 people walked by staring. It is not always going to be easy. So we need to be really kind and gentle with ourselves. We need to give our kids a little bit of compassion and space and really recognize that they're still figuring out the same stuff that we were when we were their age. Different flavor of it, maybe. But the lessons are the same. They're universal. And we really need to build each other up because it can be lonely out there. And it doesn't have to be. We're in this together. 
That's it for this week, my loves. I hope you found that helpful. And don't forget too that you can head over to thelightwalkerspath.com where you can sign up for a monthly email summary. You will get the previous month's episodes sent to your inbox so you don't have to add your calendar reminders or remember to come over every Wednesday to get a new episode. They will be dropped into your inbox. And because they're so short, you can consume an entire month's worth of content in the time it would take you to listen to one episode of a regular podcast. So how awesome is that? We will see you next week with more juicy content about living a spiritual life. 